0: I have a feeling that there's somebody in the house this morning that just needed to hear the simple truth that uh, the waves and winds still know his name and that he's still in control and he is, in fact, good no matter where we're at in our life, no matter where we're at in this Christmas season. It is so good to be with you, to worship with you this morning. As uh, we go to the word this morning, I just want to invite you to turn to uh, Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, in our New Testament, starting at verse 8, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, if you don't have scripture, that's okay, if you need a Bible, there's a little table out back there, back of the sanctuary that has a couple of Bibles on it, uh, go ahead and grab one, follow along with us, if you don't have one at all, you can, it's yours to take, it's, our, it's your gift from us. This morning, we want to be people that get into the Word so the Word can get into us. We believe that that's important and that the power of God's Word has the ability to transform our hearts and lives. And so, let's go to His Word this morning as we read this together. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest and on p- and peace and on earth peace among those With whom he is pleased. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be in this place this morning. We're so thankful for your word. Thank you that we have the ability to worship together. Holy Spirit, wake us up this morning. Father, I would just ask that you would be able to change our heads and our hearts and transform us so that we would have ears to hear. We have hearts that are open, that what you have for me to share this morning would truly penetrate the hearts and minds of those gathered here, Lord. Lord, this season of Christmas can be so quickly hijacked by busyness, so quickly hijacked by so many other things that before we know it, we've lost sight of what the real reason we're here today And we can come today and we can be so distracted by what's next, Lord, that we can miss what you want to say. So, Lord, I just ask that you would bring us together in this place right now to sit at your feet and that our lives would be changed because we're here, that this Sunday would influence our Monday and our Tuesday and our Wednesday, Lord, that this isn't just a transfer of information, but it's a transformation of hearts and lives through your power and strength. Father God, we want to serve you. We want to love you. We're so thankful that regardless of our circumstances, we have a Savior who still speaks a word and the waves and the winds silence. We're so thankful that we have a Savior who's even here right now. So Lord, use me. I'm your servant. I can't do this without you. We can't do this without you. We're here to learn at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if this is your first week here, we're actually on the third week of a series called The Songs of Christmas. The Songs of Christmas, and it's not a series about the songs that we just sang, though I do love the Christmas carols. It's actually about the songs that were sung in our scriptures before, during, and after the birth of Christ. There's songs that were, so we looked at Mary's song, and then we looked at the song of Zechariah, and today we're looking at the songs of angels. Songs of angels. And that's how we're looking at them because they tell us something about God. And each week, we've been answering a question of what does this song tell us about God? And this week's no different as we look at the songs of angels. But before we get into the scripture, I have a confession to make. I do that a lot, right? Um, My wife, Jessica, and I, I'll throw her under the bus with me, we're extremely boring parents. Let me tell you why. Okay, When our kids... Uh, when, when Jessica was pregnant with our kids, Lydia and then Madeline, we did something that was completely crazy. Are you ready? It's gonna blow you all away. We went to the doctor, and when the time came for the sonogram to be able to reveal the gender of the baby, we just asked. Isn't that crazy? It's like crazy, and it's really boring. And then guess what we did? I'm stay on your chair for this. Then we picked up the phone and made a phone call with it. Okay, that's, that's crazy in and of itself. And we called our family and friends, and wait, wait, we told them. <laughs> you all still with me? I told you we're boring. And that's not to pick on any of you who have caught on to this uh, fad of gender reveal parties. I, uh, do yourself a favor if you're having a bad day this week. Just type into YouTube, gender reveal bloopers and you will laugh and laugh and laugh. You know know what I'm talking about with the gender reveal parties? It's things now where we have parties and there's like a cake and a mother and father cut the cake and depending on the color of the cake, they know if it's a boy or a girl, right? Or there's balloons that get released or all these other things. The parents want to make this big spectacle. That's why I said, we're so boring as parents. And so it's gotten to the point sometimes with these gender reveals, I actually think it seems like, it it almost seems like a contest amongst people. And like I said, if you want to do that, that's great. I think it's fun, but Jessica and I are just boring, you know. But could you imagine, you know, to do a birth announcement, to do a reveal of a baby, uh, and the, the revealing be a multitude of heavenly hosts, Because I think we, as we get into the scripture, we'll look at this more, but we need to understand just these simple phrases that the glory of the Lord showed around them. That a multitude of heavenly hosts filled the sky to announce the birth of this baby. You're not going to find anything on YouTube like that. And here's the thing, this morning as as we're here today, if you're a Christian and you've heard this story, if you're not even a Christian, chances are you've heard this story lots of times and there's a danger that we could all fall into over these next few minutes and that is that it becomes so familiar that it loses its power and I beg you that you don't allow that to happen to you this morning. Because what I'm hoping to show you is a couple new things. I'm hoping to do a little bit of preaching, but also a little bit of teaching this morning about why this is such an amazing story. Because the story about Jesus is, is, one, is Christianity 101. It's really the basics, and yet these basic truths that we're about to discover in this passage this morning, not everyone believes them anymore. We have pastors that don't even preach them anymore. And they're core to who we are as Christianity. And and Christmas itself, it's been been romanticized, it's been trivialized, and it's not anything like that. In fact, this story today and what's happening in this text today is so radical, so world-changing, so subversive to where the cultural context was at the time that Christ came, that it should make us all stand up and say glory to God in the highest. So are you ready for this? We're going to answer the question this morning as we have in all of our other passages through Luke 2. We're going to be answering a simple question. How did God come? How did God come? So let's look at your Luke chapter 2. The first thing is, I want you to see is this. God came to nobody's. God came to nobodies. That's one of the things he did. How did he come? He came to nobody. Look look what it says. It says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Maybe you've heard this before, but it bears repeating. Do you realize that shepherds were nobodies? Do you realize that God chose to make an announcement to absolutely nobodies? And they were worse than nobodies. Shepherds were despised. Nobody liked them. First of all, they had a bad reputation because they would graze with their their sheep in places where they shouldn't be. They had a little problem with confusing mine with yours, and so they would make a lot of people upset. Not only that, but the nature of their business, the nature of working with livestock, kept them from being ceremonially clean. So as Jews, they weren't able to enter into the synagogue they weren't able to worship they were unclean because of what they did so they were despised they were unclean and they were uh in fact they were so unreliable considered un- so unreliable that they weren't even allowed to testify in court like if you were a shepherd and you had a testimony it would be considered unreliable you with me that wouldn't be counted as a valid testimony in the court of law. And they are the guys that God decided to reveal the biggest news ever to. That should tell us something about our Father. It should tell us about something. So he comes to these, the, the angels come to these shepherds and they say something. The angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. You know the the greek here is actually i love it it's they were it should say they were feared a great fear or we could go to the slang version they were terrified, which maybe some of you have, or, or they almost dropped dead. You know, could you imagine? Now, listen, most of us have never experienced the glory of the Lord shining around us, but if we read Luke, if we read anything about Luke, if we read about Mary, if we read about Zechariah, if we read now about the shepherds, there is something we all need to know. When God moves in to make an announcement to you, it pretty much makes your heart stop, and it's something more than just a phrase that we've romanticized. It is the glory of God filling the sky and overwhelming them with his presence. He came to them for a reason. He came to them because he wanted to give them this message. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news Good news of great joy. We read about joy in our candle lighting this morning. That would be for all the people. You see, God came. How did he come? He came to nobody's for everybody. He had a message that was really, in reality, going to change the world. And here's the great message. For unto you, born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Look at those three words. Let's understand what the angels are trying to tell them. Let's let, let there be no confusion what is happening on this first Christmas. Unto you born this day in the city of David, in Bethlehem a baby was birthed who was a savior, a savior of the world, a Messiah who is Christ the Lord. Christ itself in Greek means the anointed one. And the Jews knew, the Jews were waiting they were waiting and waiting for this anointed Savior, this Messiah who would come, who would liberate them, who would change their lives, and as they're occupied by the, Roman, by the Roman centurions, they're praying to God every single day, send us a Savior, send us a liberator. If you read the church history, you'll find out that before Jesus came, there were these men that would rise up and try to be Messiahs, try to be false Messiahs who would lead the people against Rome, and, they were, and the angels said to them born today is a savior the one who's going to liberate you the one who's going to save you he is the anointed one he's the one picked by God to come and to set everything right again and not only that he's Christ the Lord the Septuagint which is the Old Testament translation in Greek uses the same word Lord for the name Yahweh The personal name of God. So listen, this is what the angels are saying. This isn't just something that, you know, we see in the Peanuts movie every Christmas. This isn't something we just read every Christmas Eve. No, angels are filling the sky to nobodies and saying something is happening in the world that's going to change the world forever. A Savior is going to come who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who is the Messiah of the world, who is literally God himself. There is no greater name that you could possibly give to this baby. He's high, held up to the highest esteem in the highest possible terms. But guess what? He didn't come that way. And you know this, right? They say he's a Messiah. They say he's a king. They say he's anointed. And yet he didn't come in a palace. He didn't come with, a ki- with like a king. No, he came in a stable. He came, as this next thing will say, he came in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You see, our, our Savior came as a nobody. Not only did he come to nobodies, but he became a nobody. And you have to understand that if, if, if you're a shepherd and you hear about your Messiah coming, first of all, you may be shocked that God sent him as a baby. Now think about this. There's no weaker way for God to come to earth to save us than as a baby. Those of you that have held a newborn, you know as you look into their eyes, as you look into their faces, you see a newborn, and you know that they're completely helpless. They're completely weak. They need you for everything, and that's how God decided to come. Not only that, but it says that he's wrapped in swaddling clothes, which would have been normal in that time, lying in a manger. Now, just in case you don't know, I would assume some of you do, but just in case you don't know, a manger is a feeding trough. That's what it is. So the savior who's Christ the Lord the anointed one who has come to save all people is laying in a feeding trough. An animal literally used his bed as the pla- as their plate when they ate last time. There is no humble way. He literally became a nobody for everybody. He was weak, he was vulnerable. The preexistent word of god john tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god all things were made through him and yet that pre-existing god became existing as a human baby laying in a feeding trough folks we have an infant a pooping weak brand new baby who's come to save the world now those of you have heard this story many times We just lose sight of this, but this is who God sent, his only son, the Christ, the anointed one, lying in a manger. Can you imagine a God that exhibits more humility than that? That God, that Jesus Christ, the son of God, was willing to leave his throne and come to earth to leave throngs of angels worshiping him day and night, to come to earth to lay in a feeding trough for you. And this is just consistent with who Jesus was. As we go through the Gospels, as he begins teaching, he tells us that. He says, for even the Son of Man came not to, be, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The humility of God is not something that's lost in who Jesus is. Everything he did was for you. And because he did this for you, because he was willing to become a baby, willing to become this innocent baby laying in a feeding trough for you, because of what he was about to do. We, ourselves, those of us that believe in Jesus are called to do the same thing. Paul tells us in Philippians this, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Do you realize that? As we look upon the manger scene, as we look upon Christmas, that it was a decision for Jesus Christ to say, I am going to step out of heaven to save these people. I'm going to step out of glory to become a baby, an innocent baby. But he had a different mindset. He had a different heart set. He didn't use his ability to say, I am one of the Trinity. I am the preexistent word of God. I am the son of God. And I'm not doing it. Find something else to do. No, he said, I'm not going to use this to my own advantage. In fact, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to make myself nothing. I'm gonna make myself a little baby. I'm gonna be born of a virgin. I'm gonna be held and cared for and put all of the hope of the world in the hands of a Mary, of the God-bearer, and be raised as a human son. So why? So that when I take on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, that everyone will see, how my, see my humility and being found in the appearance of man. Look what Paul says. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even on a cross. Folks, every time you look at the humble baby laying in a manger, every manger has a cross within it. And that's who Jesus was. He came to nobody's, but he came for nobody. And he was gonna be a king different from what the world has seen before. We've all seen kings in, in our world in our lives. We've all seen kings. They saw kings in their world, and then there's this announcement that there's this king, this savior, this messiah, Christ the Lord, who's come laying in a baby, and then angels have to do something for the shepherds. Because if you're a shepherd, don't lose sight. If you're a shepherd, first, first of all, you're probably wondering, okay, why would God come to us? We're nobodies. And then you would wonder, okay, this doesn't make sense. This Messiah we've been praying for is coming to a poor couple who can't do anything besides have a baby and a feeding trough. This doesn't make sense. So it's everything that they wouldn't have been expected. So they needed a sign, they needed directions. And so look what the angel tells them this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. You see, the angels gave directions. They gave directions to the shepherds on how to find their king. And this is important. I want to pause for a second just to talk about, teach you a little bit about the cultural context that this is all happening. Because we need to understand as we're reading Luke 2, underneath the pages of Scripture, something very powerful is happening. And God is doing something very submersive. You see, Luke chapter 2 starts with a different set of directions from a different king. Luke chapter 2 starts with these directions from a guy named Caesar Augustus. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be registered. That's why Mary and Joseph are in the town of Bethlehem. They were commanded to go to the place of their birth and be registered because what Caesar Augustus wanted to do is he wanted to find out how many people he had to see what his power was, to see how powerful he was. And so he was telling people to move. And Caesar's directions caused people to move. And he showed a great display of power. Can you imagine being a king so powerful that you make a decree and an entire nation has to go on a trip to a place to register their name? That's what's going on here. And, as, and, and if you don't know this about Caesar Augustus, the last name Augustus means worthy of adoration, worthy of praise. So the king who is right now seated on the throne on earth, that these shepherds are sitting under his power, is the king who's worthy to be praised, Caesar Augustus. And if you don't know this, Caesar Augustus was the stepson of another Caesar named Julius Caesar. And after Julius Caesar died, you know what the Roman people did? They made him a god. You can look it up when you go home today. It was called the imperial cult. They literally worshipped him as a god. And as his stepson, Caesar Augustus, guess who he was? The son of God. That's what people thought. All of the Romans sitting in the town of Bethlehem would have seen, would have known if they weren't Jews, that this man who was the king who had moved people to a place was calling out. The Son of God was moving people to be registered, and he thought he was doing this because of his power. He thought he was doing this because of his presence, but what he didn't know was God was using him to change the world forever through a baby. Another thing about Caesar Augustus I think is interesting, in in modern-day Turkey, we found a cave, and there was an inscription on that cave. We date it back to about 9 B.C., And it said this about Caesar Augustus. It said, from his birth, a reckoning of time must begin. Isn't it interesting? Now think about this. As we think about our Savior's birth, that up until this point, people expected that all of our calendars would be centered around this man's birth. 9 BC, nine years before Christ, somebody inscribed that. But this isn't who we do it to, right? Right? Now we have B.C. and A.D. There was a different king coming that was going to change the world forever. Caesar Augustus would have sent out a decree to all people. And you know what that decree would have said? It would have said something like this. Glory to the most Augustus Caesar and peace on earth to those whom God Augustus is pleased. And then there would have been instructions for all of them to go to their hometowns. That would have been the decree So Augustus thinks he's using his power. Augustus thinks he's making this plea. The Son of God is telling people to move. And in the meantime, angels show up to sing a song to nobodies about somebody born as a nobody. And they give a completely different decree. They say this, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among among those with whom he is pleased. Do you see how radically subversive this is? Do you see how radically different our God is? And with this powerful man, Caesar Augustus, God is doing something underneath that tells every single person who already would have known this history that this nobody, this little baby, was going to change the world. He was going to be the king of kings, and he was going to bring peace among the world. One more thing about Caesar you got to know, because this is important. The angels are singing that there is peace on earth, when Julius Caesar died, Caesar Augustus and another guy named Mark Anthony got into a battle over the Roman Empire. There's been movies about it. And when Caesar Augustus won, he declared the Pax Romana, the peace on earth, because as far as people knew, the Roman Empire was the world. And he said, I'm going to bring peace under me, the king of kings, the son of God, Caesar Augustus, I'm going to bring peace. I'm going to make the currency all the same. I'm going to have all of the government the same, all of the laws the same, and there is going to be peace on this earth under me, Caesar Augustus. That is why every decree from Caesar would have said, he is the worthy one to be praised and peace be on earth because of him. And the angels show up and they say, no, there's a completely different peace. And God knew that people would be looking for peace. We have a quote from a Stoic philosopher around this time who wrote this about Caesar Augustus. He said, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns far more than even outward peace. This is written right at the time and God sends to nobodies an announcement about a baby born like a nobody that's going to bring real peace on Earth. He's going to be peace on Earth that has something to do with man's deepest yearnings, peace with God. And they're going to find it not in something, not in a nationalized peace, not in a man named Caesar Augustus. They're going to find it in someone, a baby born in a feeding trough, lying in a manger. It's the peace that pursues us. It's the peace that seeks us. It's the peace that comes with the Son of God who is humble enough to leave his throne in heaven and come to earth and be born as a baby. So God came to nobodies. That's how he came. He came as a nobody. And he came to make us somebody. That's what he came to do. Listen, it's very important for you to realize that the story of Jesus starts out with a baby because God's plan had to start with a baby. And it's important for us to realize and I know if you're Christians, you're like, yeah, 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 I've heard this before. Please hear me. This is so important. It's important for you to know that he had to be born of a virgin. Do you understand that the salvation, what that baby would grow to be as he stretched on a cross, started on Christmas. And the reason we celebrate Christmas is because God brought, sent his son to earth to be born of a virgin that would not carry the sin nature of Adam so that he would not have that nature that Adam had, that would be, have a heart and a will bent against God, and that as he was born of that virgin, that he would live a life that was perfect, that was under the law and yet perfect in every single way, and then that he would be stretched out on a cross and take the entire sins of the world on himself so that you and me and many, if we would believe in him, would have forgiveness of sins. And folks, if you leave the virgin birth, if you leave the birth of a baby, and you have a Christianity that's something else that doesn't have that, then you've lost salvation. Because this is the only truth that we have. And this is God, who God is. And he came as a nobody, two nobodies, to make you and I somebody. And it would not have happened unless he came as a baby. A baby that basically through his coming, through the announcement of angels, spit in the eye of every king on earth and said, this is the king and spit in the eye of any single type of peace that you think you can find on earth and said, only in this child can you find peace. And it was all part of God's plan. Paul tells us in Galatians this, but when, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. He faced every single temptation that we faced, and yet he did not sin. God sent him to buy freedom for us. They were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. The story of Christmas, we need to know this, the story of Christmas is that God came as a child to earth, born under the law and lived a perfect life so that when you believed in him, you could become a a child of God. And I don't know about you, but no matter what I face, The reason I can say, through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you, and it is well with my soul, is not because of anything I have the capacity to do. The reason I can sing with all of my heart, I love you, Lord, God, you are so good, is not because of anything I can do. It's because I am a son of God. Not because of anything I've done, but because a baby came and humbled himself to live and be born in a manger, to grow up to be a man who would be crucified on a cross. That's the Christmas story. And we need not sentimentalize it. And we need not put all kinds of presents out. And this is nothing against Christmas, but listen, don't lose sight of this. A baby being born changed everything. And in that place, there is only peace. Peace. Paul tells us in Romans this, that when you've accepted this truth of who God is in your heart, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And for all who are led by the Spirit of God are now children of God. And you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Mama Father. Now we call him Daddy. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are God's children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to all people who he is pleased. And if you would just let this truth sink into your heart, I think your head would go. That's what God's doing in the, middle of a, in the middle of a little town called Bethlehem, in a place that was under Roman occupation with all of these people who believed that they were worshiping the God on earth and that they were being led by the Son of God. God comes through and breaks through by angels to sing a different song, to sing a different decree that born unto you this day in the city of David is a savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this baby is gonna bring you peace. The entire matter of our eternal salvation, folks, is caught up in the truth of this story. That upon Jesus' birth as a human being, born of a virgin, that when he grew to be a man, because of this moment in time through the 33 years that he lived, that when he was crucified and when he took your sin on a cross and when he was laid in the tomb and three days later destroyed sin and death, this little baby born in a manger changed your life and changed mine. And because he became a child, you now can be children. How does that change you? It changes me forever. The fact that I am now a co heir with Christ Jesus, do we even begin to wrap our head around that? Because if we did, if we wrapped our head around it, if we wrapped our heart around it, then we would no longer feel like nobody's. We would feel like somebody's, would we not? We would no longer allow the devil to fool us to believe that we are our last sin, that we are our last argument, that we are our last marriage, that we were the last thing that we did at work that got us fired. No, we would realize, no, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. And God came to earth as a child so I could be his child. And because of that, I am somebody. And I'm going to begin to live like that. Because how you see yourself and how you see yourself in the eyes of God should really change the way that you live out every single day. See, the song that's going on here this morning is the song of angels. It changes everything. It tells us the heart of our God is a God who comes to nobody's. It doesn't matter what they look like in the eyes of the world, he sees them as valuable, in fact so valuable that they're called to send them take a message to the entire world, because after the shepherd saw the baby, they started spreading the news. We also will worship a God that though he is worthy of power and glory, he was willing to become nobody, because he needed to become nobody for you and for me. And we worship a God that because we have faith in him, he's made us somebody. That's basic Christianity 101. But the more and more I live in the world, the more and more I get scared that we lose sight of this basic truth of what Christmas is all about. So as you leave here this morning, Christian, this is what I want you to leave with. You're somebody. You're somebody. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are a daughter. You are a son of of God, because he came as a baby, and you're called to become nobody. Remember what Paul said? We don't like to say that sometimes, but remember what Paul said? Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who was willing to be born in a stable, most people think it's stable because of a manger, who was born in a stable in a lowly place, called to share. Remember, I come to bring you good news, of great joy that will be for who? All the people. Called to share God's love with everybody. This is is the Christmas story. This is the end of our faith because of this baby. If you're a new person here, if you're not a Christian, I want you to know that as you sing the songs, as you hear the songs, as you see the trees, as you open up the presents, this is where our faith begins. That God became a baby born in a feeding trough to the sound of angels singing that there's only one way to find peace on earth. There's only one way to find peace with God. And that's because God sent a son born of a virgin to become a sacrifice on a cross for you and for me. That's the best news there ever was. That's why the heavens filled with God's glory and the angels sang, Glory to Him and Him alone. Our hearts and our lives this Christmas should be bent that same way. And we should be changed forever because we're somebody who are called to be nobody so that we can share this good news with everybody. And Christmas already gives us an excuse. So that's the song we sing today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your, your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the love that you poured out to all of us. Thank you that you, Jesus, were willing to come and become a little baby. Born in a feeding trough, weak, humble, showing us the humility that we're called to live out each and every day. Thank you that you lived a perfect life, that even though you were under the law, the law did not make you a slave. In fact, it's for freedom that you set us free from the power of the law over us because your spirit guides us to live a life that's different. Thank you, Lord, that through your death, through your resurrection, and our faith in that, we are children of God, co-heirs with Christ, seated in heavenly places. We're somebody. Father, help us. Holy Spirit, help us this week to share this news with everybody. That this is more than cute scenes we set up on on our tables, more than the presents under the tree. That this is a story about the real king, the real son of God, who came to earth to give us peace, the peace with God that only comes.